Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things. Um, it's a little bit all grab bag today, um, but it is grab bag with a purpose. So we're going to build up to technically our featured film, but the two features along the way are so worth talking about um, that they are going to be. I mean, and now... Um, I'm Stephen, this is Vaughn, by the way. Hi, Vaughn. Hello. Um, <laughs> now, because we've done our ranking um, of last year, I'm kind of like thinking of ranking of mine sometimes, and I'm like, yeah. well, I, I, I want these three films <laughs> to be in the conversation. So um, I guess maybe that's that, that, that's the impetus here. Um, so yeah, we'll go for those three films. We'll maybe get an email, maybe two, um, at the end and give some recommendations. So there you go. Um, skip around as you f- feel fit. Um, so... Our first movie, which we'll have time codes in, um, I think we're going to set a point where we get spoiler-ish, because I think we need to sell people on this film first. Yes. Um, yeah, I, because I think this so. film is incredible. Yeah, I can, I can split um, up the time code so that there is a specific yeah. spoiler segment, because I definitely I mean, want to get into the details of it, but I yeah, also yeah. want to encourage everyone to watch this movie, which is fantastic. Even without a time code, TM, great movie. Um, <laughs> even without a time code, um, it's just... We will, we will say we're spoiling now, and then feel free to skip to the time code for the discussion of the next film. So the three films today are Something in the Dirt, which is amazing, and we both agree. Absolutely. Um, Triangle of Sadness, which is one of the worst films of the year by far, and I cannot believe, which I can believe, because they gave a bad film in Palme d'Or last year as well, but Jesus Christ um, <laughs> can coming in like that again. Um, and our final film is Luca Guadagnino's Bones and All, a film I was very, very excited for, and a film that Vaughn has a review for up on the site. Yes. So that should be an interesting conversation. I think we've got a lot um, of interesting conversation here. These are three movies that I'm excited to talk about and get into. Yeah, I think so. So, Something in the Dirt, which is a film that I watched primarily because of you, but also because your cousin slid in my DMs and told me I should watch it. Um, yes, um, and so, I, if Lucas is listening, I apologize, because I know you wanted to talk about this as well, but I don't think we have had a normal podcast in a while, so I kind of wanted to just have a, a regular format yeah, here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wanted to, and, just, and also, because watched it at the weekend, and I just, just really, really, really want to talk about this film, because I, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, you, you and Matt... Um, you more than Matt, though Matt just thought it was great, so that is enough um, recommendation for me, for me. But you were already pushing to watch this to talk about this, so I, I. I mean, often I feel like I can make an event out of movie watching a bit more because I definitely do enjoy it more when I do. Yeah, um, which actually links back to a previous um, email, um, which does have a point um, of. So it got to late evening yesterday, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna order a pizza and hook up the surround sound, which I often don't, um, and watch this film properly in the dark. Wrapped up. Hell a great time. Yes. Totally deserves it. So glad that. that I did. Yeah. So glad that I did. One, the sound design is awesome. Um, it's not like like proficiently like amazing sound design in the way you may expect, but it's so interesting. Yeah. Um, the sounds of the movie are a big part of the movie and a big part of expression. So, Vaughn, what is something in the dirt? So, or should I call it the door that wouldn't shut? <laughs> or should I call it something in the something light? Something in the light, yeah. Um, so, something in the dirt is the latest film from... Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson, who are two sort of interesting kind of auteur horror filmmakers um, that kind of broke out with their film Resolution in 2012 and then have also made several more. Then they also made Moon Knight uh, for Marvel 
which is a card from Marvel Snap. Um, <laughs> exactly, that's the only may, source. Where, may, where you may know that from. That's where I know that from. Um, um, but then after they is made the that... Endless them? Yes, the Endless is them. And the yeah, Endless... that, that's something I've heard of and wanted to watch, never got round to. So sorry, uh, Morehouse and Benson. Um, but yeah, this is the first I've seen from them. So which of those have you seen? Um, I went back and I've seen all of their features except for Synchronic. Um, so after I saw something in the dirt, I decided to go back and see the rest of their work. Um, yeah, I'm kind of on the they kind of vary in quality. I think um, I, I but I think that there's really? such a there's such a strong grasp on the filmmaking through all of them. I really like mm. all of the ideas that they have. Um, they're all very sort of lovecraft inspired um in the atmosphere and that Which, there's as kind you know of... I'm, I'm always pushing for cosmic horror outside of lovecraft yes no <laughs> um, because i hate having to go back to um, um spring is a really interesting movie because it's like this weird cross between like lovecrafty and horror and before sunrise <laughs> which is okay. like a very interesting Cthulhu. it's it's such an interesting pitch i don't know if it totally pulls it off but i do like the the concept a lot like i always really like what they are trying even if they don't completely succeed in my eyes um the endless ended up being my favorite of going back through their back catalog um just a really cool concept there and then i went and your favorite of their back catalog right we're not including something the dirt in that yes um, something okay, in the cool. dirt is by far my favorite of everything that I've seen of theirs now, yeah. um, which I then rewatched and loved even more a second time. Um, so the the basic concept of something in the dirt is guy, there's something in the dirt. There's something in the dirt. Guy moves into a new building, meets the other tenant in the building. Um, it's it, yeah. It starts off a bit Rosemary's Baby. Um, I think very like purposely so of i'm moving to this apartment where like something bad has happened in this apartment yeah. that is casting a spell in this apartment um and actually very like rosie baby in that sense that there's like the the, the mark outside the apartment like where the death happened right <laughs> and it's like grisly and we like refer back to it a few times um in that kind of like sensationalist way so yeah there's one of the many little kind of like nods towards this is a very genre and cineliterate film in a really yeah. interesting I, way i get that sense from all of their films like they're very much like you can tell that they have a, these very specific influences and i think they they wear that very strongly in the way that i like mm. um so yeah so this film is like these two guys in this building they meet each other um and immediately discover something in their his new apartment um this guy yeah. levi he discovers that there is something like he finds this like bizarre crystal ashtray um and then yeah, finds an to be as vague as possible um finds an unexplainable phenomenon yes like something that is is, is clearly either supernatural or extraterrestrial um which then leads another path and they make assumptions right away and those assumptions yes. define the movie goes there are wider conversations that could be had at every point and why the i mean there are so many reasons why the film is um, utterly brilliant but one of the key ways is the way it curates a selective narrative over time yeah. so i think the key to this film is how it's expressed. Um, it takes on the style of, and I don't know if you agree with me here, I think you will, of like, though it's more filmically entertaining than this, the structure and expression is very similar to that, like, it's 2am and I'm watching the History Channel. Oh, 100%. And it's blowing my mind. Yeah. And even the way, like, it cuts into, so you're just watching the film and then at a point, really early on, it just cuts to a piece to camera. You're like, 
is this a documentary? And the piece yeah. of camera has been like, this would be the beginning of um, the bad things that come. You're like, okay. And that's like that very exploitative thing that those right. like, um, history channel or beyond like, have been like, yes, I didn't know at this point it'd be bad. And you're like, ah, okay, I see what you're doing. And you're like, oh, so this thing that I'm watching has already happened. And right. it's part of a wider narrative. And the film skirts this thing of being like, are you watching a curated and collected thing that has been made to exist? Or are you watching the background that's then made into a thing right then you're watching bits from and it doesn't really say in a way that i found delectable yeah it's like it's it's difficult to sort of like describe the setup because the film Mm. is like constantly reinventing itself so it's like there's no one narrative to be like this is what the movie is about because you get 10 minutes into the movie and you're like oh it's completely different than what i was expecting and then you Mm. get 30 minutes into the movie and you're like oh never mind maybe that's not even what i was expecting it's like constantly doing new things and that's what makes it just so awesome to like watch because like you never really know what's going on i'm gonna be um as always as i like to preface this like a complete parody of myself um (laughs) with the the film it most reminds me of now thinking of it have you seen pavel pavlovsky's cold war no i have not utterly beautiful movie utterly beautiful and pavel pavlovsky's cold war um tells this like tell of a relationship but it does it through ellipsis through leaving things out so you see the three moments i think oh it's been a while since i watched i watched on the, on the plane back from japan um and it shows the moments they come together in these musical performance but it doesn't show the things in between those moments and therefore it becomes this great narrative of a mission which the gaps kind of like shade onto what's actually happening here and that's the same thing i got from this utterly wonderful film of being like this sounds this is this this is huge praise the film that is not happening in this film is so much more interesting yeah. than that is happening. But the fact that they don't show it to you is what makes it fascinating. So just like, the more we realize, been like, I am not being shown key things and key yeah. decisions are being made to show me only certain things and it purposefully, but lets things slip every now and then. You're like, oh, that's what that means. Right. Or, oh, that didn't mean that. Or, oh, that was a lie, actually, because I've yeah. seen that. You're so, it's so it's just like so fascinating because it's so like in conversation with itself because it does this thing where it's like it draws you into like Mm. the film their bias like the filmmaker's bias of it while it's also like it's just the like (laughs) it's so hard to like describe like the film is the film like these guys are making something that is incredibly biased and then the film is also doing that to you at the same time and it's like the whole time i think it's so obvious and you know and it keeps telling you that all of it is total bullshit but you just it's so well Mm. presented that you keep wanting to buy into it it's what's so great about it it's like it just keeps misleading you but you're like but i want to it's 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 just yeah it it is is so self-aware and becomes this like brilliant commentary on that kind of media yeah um like this is not in favor of these like late channel um oh this i don't read that way of like these late night kind of like horrible things I mean, obviously, that, that ancient alien stuff is, like, utterly racist and, like, heinous. Yeah. And this film goes out of its way in the, in, the, in the later parts to make it clear of, like, the political leanings of some of these characters. Yes. And you have not... You've only seen the very curated way of them. And every now and then you're like, oh. It, it's Again, it is a character study by omission. And the moment that you realise that you're seeing how people want to present themselves yeah. or the ways they have presented themselves. I actually watched Fire of Love today, um, which I didn't love as much as everyone else does. But it reminded me of that in a way as well. And I think it's because I've still got this movie on my mind quite a lot. Yeah. Of What's interesting about Fire of Love is I didn't love it that much because what the footage was taken for is not quite what the documentary is. So the yeah. documentary's narrative voiceover wants to give you this 
lovely portrait of a relationship of people, but the footage captured was very transactional and scientific, and it was only ever meant to be these like short form or like just research documentaries. Yeah, that's true. And therefore, true. there isn't quite that backing to give that character explanation. And this film takes that idea of like, what if the footage doesn't quite do what the film is doing, right. but makes that the purpose <laughs> of the movie? Yeah, in a way that's just astonishing. Yeah, rewatching it was so fascinating. Like having when you go in with knowing like what kind of the the wider idea is and so i'm I'm watching it the second time and the whole time i'm starting to realize i'm like oh like i actually don't know anything about these characters everything that you get Mm. from the characters comes out of their mouths and the film is entirely based uh, on their bias it's like i don't know if anything is true there's no proof of any of it Because, yeah, there, there are later reveals that you're like, yes, it comes out of their mouth, but is their mouth saying what they think? It's true, um, yeah. Because it, it deals the idea of, like, which parts are performed, which parts are not performed. And then, I mean, I actually, I mean, this is a this is arguably a found footage film. Um, it at least uses the syntax of found footage so, really, yeah. in a really, really cool way. And I really like Blair Witch Project. And why I like the Blair Witch Project is because, and it took me a couple of viewings to really, really like the film, of... It's the moments when they stop filming and you're like, something happened in that gap and I didn't get to see what happened there. And that thing is framing this thing now. And that's a thing you can redo in these fan footage kind of like style things. And this takes that germ that I love from Blair Witch and again spreads it across the movie. Yeah. Being like, why are we here now? Why are we out here now? What's going on here now? Why should we this and not that? Oh. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever really talked about it on the show but if anyone knows me they probably know that i am really not a fan of found footage i tend to just even that how raise a movie not <laughs> one of the worst <laughs> ones yeah um no i yeah i'm really not a fan of that genre in general but i think this basically gets exactly what i usually am hoping for out of that genre yes. like a lot of the time with found footage i i find i'm just like there's rarely just a good justification for the found footage itself. And that's, I'm not trying to say anything specific, like not necessarily specifically Blair Witch or anything like that. But a lot of the time I'm like, there's fine concepts here, but this might work just the same or even be more effective if it were just shot like a regular movie. And I think this does like a good job of blending those things because there are shots that feel just like regular cinema because it's these two guys (laughs) making their own movie, but then it's interspersed with like, the footage that they have shot themselves and so it's like mm. it cuts between those things in a way and it's like it still allows for that shot setup and stuff that i am and it deals for. with impossibilities beautifully yeah. because you're like yes you're right of there is some stuff because in the fiction of the film they start to make the film and then you're like so the stuff that i'm watching because that's why i say is it fan footage because there is that ambiguity and then later you realize that they talk about doing recreations yeah. like oh so actually that stuff i watched at the beginning still could be found footage and still could be the way it's set up like every yeah. element of it is is potentially completely performative um and when it gets to it it is ultimately a film about filmmaking i'm going to draw the line here and i'm going to stop being guarded about what i'm saying so okay this is our full listener. spoilers chat yeah, they, they just here's my closest statement on why it's brilliant, and then full sports chat. Okay, it, I mean it's it's utterly brilliant, utterly, utterly, utterly brilliant because it it captures like paranoid hysteria so brilliantly. Hysteria is a word I probably shouldn't use, but I think like there is a kind of like hyperactive dive into obsession here, yes. which is so well articulated, and I really loved. And I know that you didn't. Um, we were going to the World's Fair last year, mm-hmm. and this gave me that same thing of it feeling like this 
weird deep dive into something that you shouldn't be looking into and how that can become very very destructive I think it articulates in different ways yeah i think for me this is like the successful version of what i found lacking yeah, about that movie that. so that i mean i totally get that people really love that film and it just wasn't for me and that's totally fine mm. but like this pulls it off in, in the way that is more suited to my tastes yeah this is so and this sounds ridiculous such a 2022 film it is so like yeah. deep dive into reddit it is so speaking to a lot of anxieties and thoughts it so captures a type of people um the realistic dialogue is fantastic it's utterly brilliant what is your summation before we just geek out about what we think happened in the movie um i mean I, we, we i've compared it to several things i'll also add in another movie that like i don't like but this has similar ideas that i do like um which <laughs> <Still> is under, <laughs> which is under yes, the silver lake. what if that movie was good <laughs> yes um because so, like under the silver lake has this whole like conspiratorial thread but it's like in that movie it's all reality and in this movie it is very yeah. intentionally obfuscated in the best way because it is in a way, making fun of its protagonists, it which is which is great. Think it's cool. Under the Silver Lake yes. thinks it's really, really cool, and yeah, it's not exactly. Um, but yeah, it's like the same idea of like these people who have kind of have this perception of having failed in life and not having achieved anything, and like this idea of like that isolated isolation and everything feeling meaningless, and then they go and search for meaning and will find yeah. it however they need to, and will not really be stopped by anything. Um, and it's just yeah, yeah it's such a fascinating like descent um into like this oblivion it's it's just really fantastic and the presentation is amazing and the score is phenomenal um yeah score's really, really highly good. encourage everyone to do what steven did there's a theremin in it there's a really, theremin. yeah really blast it and get get that experience yeah um all right full spoilers from this point onwards full i mean there'll be un, like unspoiler stuff i just don't want to be limited to what i'm saying yes um whore. okay um so many just cool things in this film yeah. <laughs> just just to, to want to talk about um it it is just full of every now and then just like i'm always looking for moments to make you go wait what right and like every 10 minutes there is a wait this changed everything and then every time it doesn't change everything in the way that you think it's going to change everything and a lot of it is completely inconsequential i know like you've got like find finding that like recording device underneath the house you're like what is this like finding that weird like slate ritual stone thing find like right. weird flesh stuff and all these things that map up and numbers that link together and it doesn't really do anything right it's like this thing of like it's like <laughs> like kind of like an, a reverse like escape room where like they find mm. things and then they just search for the connections and then they're like look yeah. there's a connection here and it's like well not really it's because you went out and found that on your own i mean it is yeah. the same idea of like that history channel like they're just searching for whatever fits the narrative they want yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's when I was rewatching, I took a few notes and like my favorite line from cool. the movie is because they have a few characters throughout that are like basically the people that are just debunking everything they're doing while the movie is happening oh, it's which is so good i i love the um geologist guy the geologist guy is and my that's, favorite that's the guy who's has yes. my favorite line in the movie where they're talking about coincidences and he goes statistically it's impossible that coincidences don't happen yes <laughs> and i'm like it's like the perfect context for like the whole movie of like yes but also not really you know like sure yeah, you can draw those lines like, but because i think that comes just from the line where he's just like what's what's like because you know that's, that's that star wars line of like who's more foolish the fool of the fool of the <laughs> let me be like you know like who's more foolish the person that ignores everything or the person that accepts everything you're like oh yeah yeah and it's like you know what coincidences happen right like, used to it <laughs> like yeah those those things are so great because it's like you get these guys who are just like i mean they're such 
sincere idiots because like they oh, totally such idiots. they totally buy into it but the whole time you know you're like this these guys are just total idiots <laughs> they are just it's all bullshit and it's like and then you because of the presentation and you wanting to buy into it like you said like they mm. give you these lines where they're like and then what if this but what if this all meant something and it all fits together perfectly and then it cuts <laughs> to this guy that it's like well, quartz is super abundant, so it's pretty common that you would oh, like that, find quartz yeah. in the basement. <laughs> that geological survey is so good <laughs> because it's it's in the style of being like, and they found something. You know, the film's called something to do. It's like, and we found something. And the geological maker goes, "Yeah, it was weird because it's like it's just like dangerous." Basically, it's like, yeah, it was a, a dangerous geological composition. The, the yeah. house was just fundamentally not safe. And they're like, "And what about the quartz?" He's like, "Yes, there was a lot of quartz around, but that doesn't really mean anything." And the later you see quartz, you're just like, "Oh God, there is quartz in this house." Right, there's quartz in the house. It's like like he goes, he goes to the beach where he, like when Levi goes to the beach where he goes spear fishing and he finds like that weird skull, and he's like, but "What if it is something real?" And he's like, "You just it was just a cool artifact from like a geocache." It's like he's like, "You're not supposed to take that home with you." And that bit where um he just has that book in the car and he just takes it out from the library. Oh, I know. And just like you told me you grew up this. He's like, stop being paranoid. It's not cool. He's like, I just had it reprinted so it would look good for the movie. <laughs> we were like, oh, that is also technically true. Um, it's like it's... subtly one of the funniest movies of the year too. Like I was just laughing it's the whole very, time watching very it again funny. because it's just like these guys are just idiots. It's so great, but it's also so cool at the same time. It's just it's so fantastic. But. Again, why it's brilliant because it knows that these people are idiots, and it's actually fundamentally dangerous. And I oh, mean, yeah. what this what this film is about. I mean, my thematic read on it is that this is the kind of COVID film that I want. Of the, it deals with the reality of COVID, which was there was a time of like great confusion and sadness. Yeah. Of a time where something that seemed impossible, unthinkable, deeply filmic happened to us all and then became a prosaic reality. And this presents that, like the way that he's just like, yeah, I might leave. Like they think they've discovered like a portal to a new world yeah. like to a like something like six thousand years away in like high like faster than light travel and there's like ah yeah like it, it becomes normalized and what they do as many people did around covid time is they go conspiracy mad right. and they look into these things and it presents it as like innocuous and tempting and it's just really dangerous and, and someone dies and like we don't know how someone dies but we know that basically people they got really obsessed by absolute nonsense and someone died and some of the best bits bits are these kind of like really focused, compelling monologues where it's just like, and that was on a podcast. Well, what did you find that podcast? What is that thing? And then it like cuts to something else. And like, <laughs> okay, that was all complete not because they, they spout theory and stuff, and yeah. it's always never actually interesting theory. It's always right. never actually something scientific. It's just or an grounded. idea. But it it's could so be compelling. literally anything. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, and they then they just go and we're applying that out. At one point they just go well, I think it could be this. And the movie goes, all right, it's that now. And we keep moving on. Right. And because it keeps going and going and going, you're like, all right, cool. That's the next thing. Portal. Got it. Right. Like, that's the thing. The, like, hot, the hot cupboard. The cupboard is just hot. And yeah. It's like, yes, because it's there's, there's radiation. A, there's never a point where you actually know what they've found or what they're even looking for because it's always no. changing. It's like, maybe it's an interdimensional portal. Maybe there's a secret society of Pythagoras. Maybe there's like, it's just like all these different things that it's like, they just they <laughs> oh just choose a lane. The other great line, when he's just like, so I couldn't find anything that actually <laughs> linked to the Pythagoreans last hundred years, but... But that's why secret that societies secret are secret. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> but it's like, it's just... 
such a great cautionary tale of being like, you can just yeah. will yourself to believe anything and make every connection. But it's like, I love that so much as like the end of the movie because it literally ends just like that where he's like, yeah, I have zero evidence of this. All of my figures were probably wrong. Um, but <sighs> what if... And then it ends on like this eerie shot of the the wind chimes, and it's like that shot's fascinating to me because also like to me it also intimated because you can hear the sound of the wind chimes and see them not move, so that's like an eerie thing. But that's like a great sound yeah. thing, being like I can hear them clanging, but they're not clanging. But it also returns the wind chimes. Those wind chimes have got like prisms underneath them, like that's just that's just prismatic light. It's just, right, but it's they also are catching like... the light and projecting into your room, and you think it's like color out of space, <laughs> and it's just yeah, it's just. It's just refraction <laughs> exactly like i remember the first time watching it like those seeing the wind chimes at the end like it's the same thing where like they're they're playing and there's like a lot of stuff throughout the movie about like sound and like like yeah. kind of melodic sounds that they're finding in the world and i'm like am i supposed to be hearing something in these wind chimes and yeah. like i start trying to figure it out and then i'm like wait no this is just all bullshit like it doesn't that's the whole point is it wants me to try and think that there's something there but there's not yeah it's yeah, yeah. and it's 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 two very sad, lonely people yeah. who, and I I, I I mean I went very deep into the metaphors of this and like impressionistically my review of it, um, but it is that some of the dirt idea is so fascinating to me yeah. because the key scene in the movie actually is is the scene where he gets his hand under the dirt and he finishes his little bit and the guy's like oh no no save the other bit then and he's like no I don't think we should and he goes and even if none of the rest of this is real we found this and that's all that that's yeah. all it is. It's literally all. There's just there's just love, something. There's something in the too. dirt. That's the only truth. I think it's that same scene where like he goes through that whole monologue, and then at the end he finishes, and he goes, oh, "I like that accent you were doing," and he's like, "Oh, oh. That's so funny." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of British. Yeah. <laughs> oh, because but these these people. This sounds mean, but like it is it is that like. You know the Holy Mountain, where is that like the extended scene of like turning that turd into gold? Yeah, and like that is this film of like they are just like gleaning through yeah shit and muck and mire in the hope of finding something, and it is it is that metaphorical the dirt. Like these are two people who have nothing and have yeah. very depressing lives, and the bits you do see of their lives that you occasionally get privy to are really upsetting. And when you learn more about how extreme the the like. The second fiddle guy is. is. Is it John his name? I forget. I know Levi. Yeah, yeah John is the, um, the, the guy who ends up kind of being like maybe a fascist extremist. A fascist, yeah. yeah. Like, and, but then you only know that for like Levi's claims about him, but then also his behaviors and the way. Yes. And the great bit about how he's like, I should be a teacher because I'd be cool. And then like what he actually did. So much there is utterly fascinating. Yeah, John. Yeah, these these are people whose life is just is just nothing. Yeah, and they're just like looking for that nothingness to find something, and then they just like present it as their moment of just like fame. Yeah, John. Like, li- well, actually, I'm realizing it now. Like, you literally don't even know if that's actually his ex husband, but oh, he just yeah. like lives off of who he calls his ex husband, just like giving him money. So like, he doesn't really do anything. It's like, yeah. I, there's such an idea of like because if we're talking spoilers like levi ending up dead at the end it's like yeah and he he definitively that's like the only plot point that's very very clear yeah that's so key to the film for me something happened and you're never allowed to know and that's so key yeah something happened that meant that levi died um and it was entirely there and it's really entirely their fault but mostly john's fault of there's that great refrain that is a gag the whole way through being like you know, when this gets dangerous, we'll stop, right? And right. they're like, yeah, but we'd know if it was dangerous. And when we know it's dangerous, we'll stop. You're like, this is really dangerous, please stop. Yeah, and it's like you get, there's there's also that, that woman at the beginning who's like, and it's just really sad, yeah. and I don't just mean the dead one, and it's like, but it, it is yes. just, it's that much more sad, like, 
because Levi dying and it's like the whole time he's always the one that's like really cautious and like he starts to actually like yeah. get scared of this stuff and he's like I feel like he's very probably yeah no definitely um, but is also maybe a pedophile yeah yeah <laughs> absolutely like there is that same idea of like this idea that you're only getting what they're presenting to you and like you know mm. that he is a registered sex offender but yes he, and he gives you a story of wh- how yeah. that happened and you know first time you're like oh okay and but it, then and it's and like it matches up to the character and how right. like they're presented the world of being like they are these like perennial victims of like poor circumstance then you find out more things about him later right and also you don't really know what he does or what it's, it's yeah it's it's such a great example of what storytelling makes us do and what viewing a film makes us do. And like, what if you could just like totally unpick that? Yeah. It's exactly what I want films to be. It's so different. Yeah. It's, and so it's, new, like, it's so fresh. It's so I mean, good. again, it's like, it asks you to go in and unpick it, but it's like, you're never going, there's, there's no yeah. avenue that's actually going to give you an answer. It's like in my head, I want to be like, okay, I think maybe John kind of orchestrated all of this and like you see him at the beginning yeah, and he has blood on his shirt and he has a whole story about how he was oh, at God. this... Oh, that opening shot, I was like, this is a right. pocket song because you walk out and there's just like, there's this like plume of smoke in yeah. the sky. There's like a helicopter going overhead and he's got blood on him I'm like is this the post-apocalypse what is going on here and he's right like, like oh, he yeah. has blood on his shirt and he gives you a story about how he was at like this goth autumnal equinox rave or something like that and they were all like claiming he's a wedding photographer when he is definitively not a wedding photographer <laughs> right and so it's like okay but then later you think about it and you're like so a guy ends up dead and he had blood on his shirt at the beginning there's a mysterious death in the apartment next door to them yeah and it's like all and these you, things but then that, it, it makes you do that it right makes you do that all there these things no kind of add up and can, you're like we can wait. never know <laughs> yeah and it's like, I think that was what was interesting about going back through their other movies. It's like, this movie is certainly, it's making fun of themselves. And I think there's also a degree of mm. like making fun of their audience because their older movies very much have that, like, because they are very Lovecraftian and vague. And like, also yeah. part of it is like, just, they had like for resolution, the budget was tiny. Like, I think maybe like $20,000 or something like that. Like yeah. these micro budget movies. Oh, this uses so this like, budget so well. There's there's an intentional vagueness to all their older movies. And I think it's like that caused people to just like really intensely like theorize and try to pick apart the movies. And they're like, yeah, but also we're just like making movies, you know, it's like two, two friends making yeah. movies together. And it's like, you can theorize all that day. Wonderful but... end, end dedication. Of yeah. like, as I said to you just yesterday, the brilliant film of this film among many brilliant things is that it is a film of two guys who literally just made some cool sci-fi stuff because they could. Yeah. And the film was about two guys making some cool sci-fi stuff <laughs> exactly. just because they can. The film is the film. The film is the film. Yeah. The fi- like you said, it's, the film is that this is the movie that's a movie. The movie and the movie may be in the movie. It's definitely part of the movie. The movie is definitely part of the movie. There is a film within the film. The movie the film is the film. And the film is just like the film, right? And the film is just them filming the film to make the movie. And the movie is the movie. And the film is a film. <laughs> this film is a film. Perfect. Thanks, Harry Styles. Um. <laughs> I know. It's the one. T- that Harry Styles interview. I did say this in the Discord. Totally makes sense, but it's like this is a movie that, and I'm like, and that sentence makes perfect sense. You see the film goes, "This is a film that that is a film." Absolutely, like, this 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 film is a film. Yeah, and it's it's like a it's like a film. There's also like a really interesting conversation that it's like it also kind of also feeds back into like this whole thing of like trying to pick this apart, even though there's nothing there. But like, um, I'd be interested for when you get a chance to go back through their other movies. They exist yeah, in. I- they, they exist in a sort of expanded universe. Like, they all exist in the same space. The Endless <laughs> is vaguely... I guess not vaguely, but it is sort of a sequel to Resolution. Like, some of the same characters cool. appear. Um, and it expands on some of the ideas in that. It's like a Jacques and Demy film, you're saying. There's like... <laughs> exactly. Um, there's like some... 
little thread like they they all exist in their own space but like there's a little connective tissue throughout and there is also stuff in this movie that connects to some of their past stuff there is like a little you can see at one point a little bag of like these red petals which is like a drug oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's know, it's, a dizzy it that. it's like an in-universe drug that was established in one of the older <laughs> movies it's like there's this interesting stuff i think they call it the shitty carl it, cinematic universe um, it's like this one's made for me like i so but, rarely yeah. feel this but this film feels so made for me because it just like as people know this podcast i i love interpretation but i don't really like trivia I, like i hate i right. hate when things are just like law for the sake of law that doesn't interest me it's what things mean interests me and this film is using like a facade of trivia to be about like the pointlessness of that yeah <laughs> like absolutely it, it, it makes you interact because i don't like solving art i like talking about art and yeah. i like kind of like i'm taking and analyzing it and this film shows makes you solve and in doing so you actually end up analyzing and it's beautiful and perfect for that reason and i think so the the text that echoes and I, you knew i was gonna bring this up at some point because you've not read it yeah. house of leaves is one of the coolest things ever um and oh spoilers for house of leaves i guess and i've told you this in the thing there is a bit in house of leaves which i was reading it like 1am and it utterly terrified me off oh, so house of leaves i've talked about a lot like the key premise is it starts with the house is bigger on the outs on the inside than it is on the outside you're like well that doesn't make sense and then there is a door where a door can't be and then there is just like a labyrinth outside the house inside the house you can go down into and maybe there's a minotaur in there maybe there isn't a minotaur in there it's very very unclear and like the whole idea is the book that you're reading is you've got annotations from this like junkie of this book that he found and it's the book that you're reading and the book is a really detailed literary analysis of a film that doesn't exist. And then I was like, this film doesn't exist. Oh, Why so is weird. there a detailed analysis of a film that doesn't exist? I need to read and this. Then part, and then partway through the book, someone finds a book in the um, in this labyrinth and the book is just House of Leaves. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> it's like, you're literally holding this. And the book, it, it's at some point it's written on the side. It's got like appendices to go through. So you were just like moving and bending yeah. and flipping this book around. And you're like, so it's so much about a physical object. It makes you so aware that you are holding the book. And they're like, this person has picked up this book, and I'm holding this book. They can't have the book. I have got the book. What is going on in this thing? And they're a bit. I, I didn't think you could get that kind of like idea outside of like the form of of literature. Yeah. So I thought that's why that book is so brilliant. And this is not that, but it gets on those feelings so right. brilliantly. Yeah. You mentioned the door there, where the door is not supposed to be. Like there is like I like that whole sequence about like mm. the floating doorway, and it's just like another one of those things that just like shows up out of nowhere. And he's like, so then yeah. I found this floating doorway, and it's just like. Kind of a weird door. It's like everyone's seen one of those at one point. Oh, when he says that, he just goes open. It just shows you him bolt cutting. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, and, and it was open, and unlocked. Sphinx cats, and yeah. it's just empty inside. There's nothing like that. It's I just love, an absolute liar. I love the whole sequence where they're like opening. Um, he like he goes into like the crawl space. Um. Mm. And, and john starts like measuring stuff and he's like so the standard building code in los angeles the you, the doorways have to be this certain ratio and his doorway was slightly different <laughs> it's like what are you talking about <laughs> and then we're like oh my god slightly different <laughs> right. like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah it's just it's uh, so good so so good I, yeah yeah I, I highly encourage anyone to to check this movie out it's um, just the best easily yeah. one of the best ones of the year i think absolutely easily i think it's utterly incredible i really really love it um it will not be for everyone and that's why it's so good yeah absolutely like even the the few people on my that i follow on letterbox that have seen it like some people really love it and some people have been like yeah this is just not 
don't really don't really get a knot for me and a totally 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 fair i i totally yeah. understand that because it's such a specific thing but yeah totally works for me yeah it, it, it feels precision towards two things that me and you specifically yeah, i think love. so yeah <laughs> like very specifically <laughs> you, you called it the zeros and ones of 2022 and i think that's fairly yeah. accurate yeah oh god yeah it is it is so damn cool so that's that's that movie done um let's let's get to the next one then um, oh, hello boy. people that skips that skips ahead um we have now both watched um this year's palm door winner triangle of sadness yeah it's it, i apologize um, in advance because it's been a little while for me and you just watched it this last week uh, uh, but i'll do my best i don't think there's i've tried time. to already expunge it from my mind yeah there's uh, not much to either remember or forget like it's so i think it's ultimately so simplistic that like uh, there's not much that i'm really going to be able to forget and like leave out of a conversation about it but it has been a while yeah. what's your familiarity of this filmmaker Ru- ruben osterland is that his name um i've seen force majeure which i think is fantastic yeah and i have not seen anything else i've seen force majeure which i think is a really good premise and the rest of the film is is, is good okay um but That's i fair. think the opening scene is utterly brilliant yeah. and then it doesn't quite get out of that what it could get out of that but i do think it's really really good um it didn't make me think this guy should make like a a long form comedy. Um like Force Majeure is like comedic yeah. but isn't a comedy. It like it is a it is a character focused drama right. with like a dark bent to it. In the same way that Something in the Dirt is very, very funny and has comedy as a genre yeah. tag, but is not a comedy film. Um Triangle of Sadness. Have you seen The Exterminating Angel? I have not. The Exterminating Angel is is an awesome movie. Um, so Lou Benwell film, it's the, the key idea is a bunch of the bourgeois attend a dinner party and every time they go to leave the dinner party, they forget something and realize they can't leave the dinner party. And that's the joke of the film of they just can't leave. And there's no reason why they can't leave. They just can't leave. And they realize they're stuck at this dinner party forever. And all of the the quote unquote help all of the servants are able to just leave and therefore they are left there themselves at a dinner party this like these creators of like wealth and these poor people yeah. and realize that they cannot fend themselves and they are useless and this key joke of and they can't leave for no reason like they literally right. could just leave but they just they, they just can't like that being unexplained is 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 the gag of the film and it's a very good gag um and the film works because it is it is I mean, supernatural is the wrong word, but it it is surreal. Yeah, it is ridiculous, yeah. and therefore it's in concert with that. And the point that it's making is very, very clear: of the bourgeois are useless. Um, they can't do anything by themselves. They can't complete the things they can do. They can't fulfill basic tasks. And those who actually underpin things can get on fine without them. Right. Um, the wealth creators versus the wealth created, etc., etc. Flip that. Um, all those ideas are in this film. All those ideas are in this film. Um, uh, so poorly, so poorly done. <laughs> I, but so poorly, and I, like, I, I don't want to be that guy that should be like, watch this film instead because it's better. But I just don't. This film is terrible. <laughs> like, Triangle Sadness is utterly, utterly yeah, terrible. It, it really is. Like, I kind of went in with very little expectations, other than knowing it won the Palm Door. Like, I don't know. I didn't really think it looked that great. Um, I had seen no. a couple of trailers for it, and I was like, this just looks fine um i had seen some kind of mixed things so i was like i'm just gonna kind of go into this and and see what happens and coming out i was just like yeah this has a lot of ideas and has no idea what any of them mean i mean i think that's really Mm -hmm. the thing it's like it has those same ideas but it doesn't seem like he has any awareness of like the actual implications of those things he doesn't actually make any meaningful commentary on them it's just like yeah he just throws these things at the screen and then he kind of expects you to do the heavy lifting 
well, it's not the most because we're about to talk about the most bourgeois director um, working at the moment, but it's the second most like bourgeois <laughs> thing like ever. Basically, like it's it's just such a blandly opulent film. Yeah. Like it, it it puts money on screen. If there wasn't that much more money behind it, I'm sure it's not a very like big budget film. But like it is like the Bunuel stuff is strange and mystical and weird and artistic right. and creative. This is just like boringly bland um, the whole way through. There's no like visual kind of like interest to it. It is just a sheen of like these are fancy things and watching them being fancy things. It has this insufferable plot structure and you go for these like parts. <sighs> it's so pointless. Like I don't, it just seems like the plot structure is there so that it doesn't have to ever like pick protagonists or main characters yeah. or like do anything with them. And it's it like, thinks it's an Altman film and it's just not. Yeah, I mean that's it's a good point. Like it try it tries to like weave all these things together. Like it's interesting, but it's just you don't and, and you end up just not caring about any of it. I mean, there's supposedly protagonists and the the two like main model characters, but I feel like you barely get anything about them. And then like the by the time that they move to the central location, which is the yacht, it's like there's really it never gives you any real reason why they're there. They just show up there. Yep. And then they're there, and the boat really has no destination. It's just going. It's just, it's just plot. It's it, just yeah, there to be just like, I, a yacht because that's a symbol right. of wealth. Like that's just. Uh, and so things just I, happen, but there's no. You have no idea. There's no direction to any of it. You no. you are just kind of waiting for the next act to happen, and then the final act happens, and you're like, okay. I mean, you didn't. This none of it's earned. Is is really the I think the problem. Yeah, it just all feels like frictionless and pointless. And as yeah. we get into that yacht, we're just introduced to a bunch of like vague simple caricatures and it's just like i even like i guess like in the broadest sense a lie with the broadest political statement of this film which is that you know the ultra rich are, are shallow and annoying it's yeah. like yes yes we're aware of that but the way it expresses that i'm just like I don't, I, it, it, and the way it expresses that makes it make certain points that i really don't agree with of because yeah. it does that thing that i actually think banshees of sharing is a bit guilty of as well um of this like this kind of like nihilistic view of eternal conflict and wrongness um, that's really more, my problem more pronounced here way more pronounced here so the scene that should be the best scene in the film and it's maybe the worst scene of the film is the oh god the the captain character played by Awful. an actor that that I know is a good actor. Yeah. And like the performance is fine, whatever, it's the script. Um, the joke is there's an American Marxist, but a Russian capitalist, and that that's the that's the gag, right? And it's like, well, that's shows a complete misunderstanding of like how politics works and like the current state of the world and what that would mean anyway. It's a misunderstanding in so many ways because the movie doesn't know seem to know what either of those things mean. Yes. It's just the capitalist guy spouting ronald reagan quotes and the marxist guy spouting marx quotes and they never actually neither of them i mean maybe that's the joke quote unquote that like neither of them understand their own philosophy but it's like but then the movie doesn't either because it's not presenting any alternative it's just like it seems the the film is like trapped and like well capitalism sucks and we're stuck there forever and then like even when it upends it and it's like and now you know the working class are in charge and it's like but then it just goes back to the same things and it just feels so nihilistic there's just nothing else and i'm just like i just don't i'm not interested in this idea yeah, and so the 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 really key nasty part of the scene is so we have this like extended gross out kind of like sub Monty Python vomit esque awful sequence, and then it's this really interesting speech. It's not that interesting because it's all very very known stuff from Woody Harrelson's Captain, 
where he lists through things that just show the complicity of the US as like a regime in some really despicable things, um, like quite far reaching in terms yeah. of like um like governmental change, like forcing change in South America, um, the assassination of key political figures to maintain control. And it's all like true and it's all a good point to make. Yeah. But it's being presented as a joke of a thing that some would say because he's framed as an idiot. So yes. him giving this speech is not presented to the to the audience. Oh, by the way, this is actually the the nasty side of like this neoliberal experiment. This is this is the problem here. It's and this guy of his left is rhetoric, right? Just shouting out like, no, right. this stuff's all true. Because there's something there's something there. There's there's half an idea, which is basically the whole movie. But it's like you have this character who potentially could be an ideologically very you know yeah. socialist person who is on that side but feels like they have been like they are trapped essentially as you know the we all are in like this capitalist and he's like i have to be working this job that i fucking hate even though yeah. these are my beliefs but again it presents him as a moron who doesn't understand anything he's saying because he's you know an alcoholic who's drunk the entire time he's on screen and so it just takes all the weight out of anything he's saying because it's also making fun of him at the same time and i'm like yeah. you have to if you're going to have this idea he has to be presented way more sympathetically than like just a moron who's just drunk and spouting things yeah. for no reason I, I just really wish that directors and filmmakers just wouldn't keep thinking that this kind of comedy is the way to make social satire yeah uh, it's not it, it, it doesn't work like this this is adam mckay stuff this is don't look up like it's that's not how you make points the the, the films that this film links into are two Goddard films um, outside of the Benwell. So it's Weekend, which I know you've seen. And this film yeah. is very much, very much indebted to Weekend, especially in its like structure of like going to like madness and breakdown at the end. And even though Weekend falls apart at the end of that film, it falls apart much more interestingly than this film falls yeah, apart. Yeah, it falls apart in um, a very different way. But yeah, it's like, it's yeah. much more interesting in the way that it falls yes. apart. Because it's like sort of, sort of commits to the chaos in way too much of an extreme way. But yeah. it's like, I appreciate exactly. that way more. And Weekend is a very satirical film, but it's not like a, a lampooning, like, slapstick right. comedy, which there's going to be... This is Marx Brothers. This is this is that... And I, I mean, I should know, because I've, I've seen it, and Jack will be like, how do you... I, I forget which is the Marx Brothers one on, on the boat, um, but it's funny. But it's like, it, it, it's that. It's the Marx Brothers on a boat, and we're doing some stuff stuff, but not right. a funny version of that. Like, I think... The other Goddard film, this is like, apologies, is Le Chinois, which I don't think you've seen. I haven't. The Chinois is really, really good because it is what it really encapsulates is leftist disagreement of a bunch of people that ostensibly all agree right. about the same thing and are having these this like circular end. It's about like it's about how theory overtakes praxis, yeah. and we are so caught up in like nuances and interpretation that nothing really happens. And like that's the interesting thing here. And you're right. Like there's this Marxist captain's idea of being like, does he actually believe what he has convinced himself he believes? Right. No, that's an interesting problem. That is not achieved for a broad, gross-out vomit comedy. Yeah, I I think that's, like, the big difference. It's, like, something like Weekend. It's, like, the comedy comes from how, like, sincerely it's presented. Mm, like, it because commits, it is showing yeah. that, like, the bourgeois are, like, so caught up in themselves. And it's, like, it's, you know, you're laughing at it because they are absurd and they are taking themselves that seriously. But, like, this movie yeah. thinks it's hilarious and it's writing yeah. it as comedy. And so it wants you to be laughing at it. It's not just, like presenting reality and then expecting you mm. to be like oh okay that's pretty funny because that's just you know the way these people are it's like it, it's making specific jokes and it's like it's not it's just not you're not getting the same thing out of it um my last one to link it to have you seen the extended cut of 
Sorry. Okay. <laughs> this is already going to be ridiculous. Have you seen the film that I think is called Anchorman Wake Up Ron Burgundy? <laughs> I haven't. No, I, I actually have not. Okay, I have, and I'm not going to explain why I have, but just know that I have seen the okay. extended cut of Anchorman Wake Up Ron Burgundy. It's, it's this film. It's this film. It's the same film. It's the same film. Um, so, Angerman Wake Up Rob Burgundy exists because they were having so much fun shooting this movie. They did, like, five takes for everything. They're like, we could make another movie out of this movie. And that's probably what? why, like, that style of comedy doesn't really work for anyway, because it's just all frictionless, pointless riffing, yeah. where the scene is just them trying to make each other laugh. And therefore, I, I mean, I... I like jokes. I like things that have been fought out of jokes and they work for a reason. I don't like... I mean, we do riff on here. There's a difference between us just like talking and chatting and things made to be comedy stuff. We're not doing comedy. This is not scripted comedy. We are just occasionally making each other laugh. That's nice. Um, So, Angerman Wicket from Burgundy has this extended plot sequence, which is the only joke in it, where they think they are dying outside and walking through this forest. Um, And they're like, we should probably... Like and then Rabone is like, I'm gonna have to eat you, and it goes into like almost like getting into cannibal territory, and they realise that over the hill there's just like a McDonald's or something, and like that that's the joke. Yeah, yeah. No. Now Triangle of Sadness comes out, does that same joke, and wins the palm door. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's the same feeling movie. It feels just like loose and pointless. It feels like people just getting carried away. Like, why is this film two and a half hours long? It barely like oh, yeah. survives the first there's no, hour. There's no reason for it. I mean, it's I... just pure unaware excess that is thinks it's criticizing excess yeah i mean i think it's it's quite obvious and I, obviously i think most people have compared it in this way but it's like i i think about parasite a lot thinking about this movie just because Same. they are like both palm door winners within the, the the most recent few years here but it seems like that's the same idea, right? Like he saw Parasite, Parasite. also funny also a funny film yes also exactly a funny film but not a comedy exactly um it's like it seems like he saw Parasite and was like, I want to do the same thing with similar ideas. And then totally did not understand why anything in Parasite works. Mm. Like you have this whole thing where in Triangle of Sadness, like you have this upending and then like the working class is in charge. And it's like, that's the same thing that happens in Parasite. But in Parasite, they exist the entire film. They are important and they are sympathetic characters and you are endeared to them because they are interesting people. In Triangle of Sadness, the working class barely exist in the film until they are made to be important. And you just don't, there's, there's and no sympathy And then they're for demonized. Them. And then right. it becomes all power corrupts and everyone is bad. And I'm like, I fundamentally disagree, right. Phil. I fundamentally like, disagree. Even if you want to have that concept of like power corrupts, it's like, I don't know who these characters are. I don't have any sense of of how that transition is actually happening. All you're showing me is suddenly this person shows up who I didn't know existed before the third act. And then yeah. you're turning them into this power-hungry, demonized character, and I'm like, I just don't care. Were... I don't. I don't have any connection to this character. You have to actually set up the working class before you make them the center point of the third act. I think why it's also so irritating because it's almost interesting at key points. There is a, there is an yeah. almost interesting point where so they the, the, there is the boat wreck and they wash up and there's this guy there. They're like, I'm pretty sure you're one of the pirates. But I don't know you're one of the pirates. And they accuse me of being one of the pirates. You're like, oh, you're saying I'm a pirate because I'm black. You're saying because it's like, I've been on your boat the whole time. I've been on your boat the whole time. I've been staff. And you as a viewer have been like, were they staff on that boat? Or are they a pirate? I don't know if they're a pirate or not. And that idea there about like the complete unawareness of these people, of the people they rely on about who they are and stuff. And then people wanting... and just like the racial dynamics underpin that as well are very, very interesting. But the film does not want to commit to that or make anything out of it. The other interesting thing is I thought what the film was going to... I was like, I was like, I was like commit more film. Yes. Of, so it does this thing of being like, so they get to the island and then it turns out that 
the woman that was the toilet operator. And this is why this film is kind of hateful, because it's just like this like naive caricature of the the working class. Yeah. It's like, it turns out she's actually really had is like, can she? She has super survival skills. Why? Right. Because the plot needs her to, I guess. That's the and thing I, that I think really bugs me about like that third act is it's like it's doing this whole satire where it's like, oh, and the rich are useless and they don't have any real world applicable skills. But I'm like, but everyone who is, yes, you the know, working class are oppressed and therefore are not like, like, like the oppression of the working class means that they are not able to get certain skills. Right. As well and like, therefore would not, the implication like, that everyone in the working class just like would be able to make it on a desert island and would have all it's, these. It's like, so insulting. It just makes no sense to me. I'm like, I wouldn't I would be in the same boat. I would be useless. I don't have any survival skills, you know, like yeah. that's I, I don't understand what point you're making here. It's it's like it's trying to pit these two people against each other. But. I don't. I just don't buy so, any of it at all. If it committed to it, and because the film just ends randomly, what it should have committed to, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna make the movie better here again, is it should have committed to, and it implies this that she knew that resort was there the whole time, and she wasn't actually making anything, but she was taking stuff from there. That would be a better idea. It would of, be. Like, I mean, she, yeah, that, that she final was actually reveal going to so that resort bizarre. was getting like that's where all the food was coming from. That's because like she's going up to like, and then that would be an interesting point about like. Because then the joke becomes, huh, you thought this person was right. able to do this stuff because that's how you view these people. And instead it's just like, reveal. Instead it's Angman Wake Up Ron Magnet. But yeah, I don't want to watch that again. <laughs> that's, the movie just has no idea what it is. It's like weirdly, it's a two and a half hour movie that it's feels so, so rushed the whole time. It's like because it yeah. has so many different ideas and it's constantly like, you mentioned the boat crash. It happens in like the span of a minute where like people mm. show up on the boat, they do a weird, they do like the thing from the first Iron Man movie where a grenade gets <laughs> thrown on the boat and the people are like, oh, we're the weapons manufacturers, that's our grenade. And then the boat blows yeah, up. It's so earlier so that, so that can happen. They're like, yeah. oh, because it, 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 it's that constantly, the joke structure is you for A, but actually it's B. The whole time's just like, look at this cute old couple. They're weapons manufacturers. Yeah. And that that is the that is the only joke throughout the whole thing. And there's 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 weird stuff about sex, sexuality, there's stuff about like informed consent towards the end that is um a conversation the film is not equipped to handle yeah, when because, it comes to the power dynamics around right. how relationships working. Because it's just oh. doing so many things at the same time. It's like it leaves all these things totally uncooked. And it's like the same thing it's like that there's that boat crash and like only like 10 people survive and end up on the island there's no reason there's no explanation it's just like mm-hmm. it cuts to black and then it cuts to the island you're like these are the people that are left because we decided that it's sort of the flies now it's, it's like okay <laughs> right it's like even <laughs> i feel like it also kind of undermines its own point there because it's like if the implication is that the working class have survival skills then wouldn't more of them have survived the I don't, I don't know. Like, there's no idea. It just—it's just, it's just it a rug pool it festival where the only thing that's important is that rugs keep. It's just a pile. It is a. This one's a pile of rugs to be pulled. <laughs> and at the end, it's just, just, it's just cotton. It just is nothing. It is just. Yeah, the ending is so is stupid because it like does this whole thing where it's like, ooh, check out our ambiguous ending. Isn't this crazy that like you don't really know what's happening? Now you think about all all of it, and it's like, but I don't. I don't care it what it so happens. wants to be Lantamos. This 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 film so wants to be like Lantamos kind of like bite and just is so not good. It wants to be like what if Haneke but Marx Brothers and is The ending oh. is also just exactly Parasite because it's like someone's about to kill someone <laughs> with a rock. Like I was thinking about that while I was watching. I was like, come on, like you couldn't do anything different. Yeah, it is so uninteresting. I really just do not like it. You like it much less than I do. I think um, it's utterly terrible. But I, I can't I'm not gonna defend it nothing... in any way. <laughs> There's just nothing to enjoy. I was again. It links back to Amsterdam, which we've alluded to. 
of it's like I can't believe this film is just so bad. Like yeah. it's, it's morally gross in ways, but it's also just bad. It's just a bad piece of filmmaking construction. Like, what is this? Why did you make this? Why do people like? I am so confused that people love this. I get why people would like it because like comedy and comedy hits differently. Yeah, but there's nothing here to love. There is nothing here. To I love. mean, I don't even. Yeah, I mean, write I, in, I, explain, I, I please, the, please. I get the subjectivity of comedy too, but it's like so many yeah. people talking about how hilarious this movie is, and I'm watching it, and I'm like, none of this is really funny. Like it yeah. just it it says things again. Like it's trying to be funny, but I'm not finding any of it humorous. And then it's just a bunch of people vomiting, and it's like that's the p- thing people talk about as being funny. And I'm like, it's really not though, <laughs> because it doesn't know what it's doing. It's just doing it to be funny. I'm very aware that I, as people listening know, I have a very strange sense of humor and find many things funny that <laughs> most people do not find funny. Like I, I am like a, a bad barometer for things that are funny, but what <laughs> I yeah. just, because i i do like anti-joke weird stuff like i love the joke that goes on for too long and then becomes funny again but i'm like no and that's just the joke's just gone for too long and i'm never funny I, to me it's just like there's no joke i'm just like the things that it yeah. presents as as humor to me i'm just like this isn't this just isn't funny i i don't i don't know maybe maybe I, I, I just don't get it and i'm not missing also something, i think but... because the fifth act has a lot of like setup gags but the setup was like two hours ago. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like it's the person that we know had a stroke, so therefore can't articulate in the way that they need to. Um, in the situation later, where they actually come across somebody, someone hucking some wares at them, and they're like, "Oh no, they can't articulate." I'm like, "One, there's some grossness here." But if these things were a bit closer together, and there weren't thirty-five thousand right. other things in this film, this set them up, knock them down joke would work. But because it's got 25,000 set them up and yeah. knock them down jokes spread randomly over two and a half hours, you're like, I guess that was a joke. Oh, that's, oh, that was that, I guess. And, and oh, I that hand grenade. Okay, cool. And I think to weirdly bring it back to something in the dirt, I feel like that's almost part of it of like, it just throws out so many things that you can just put together mm. whatever you want it to mean. And it's like, that's why I can kind of get why like this ends up winning the palm door. It's like, it has a bunch of ideas that it throws at you and it goes, look at this, rich people, capitalism, Marxism, isn't this all crazy? And I can see people in that audience just being like, oh yeah, he got it, he nailed it. Because there's nothing, but there's like, there's nothing under the surface to actually think about. It lets you put together whatever you want it to mean, but it doesn't (sighs) actually mean anything. Like the title, which again is explained in the first two minutes. Right. And like, oh, so that's what the title is. Yeah. And it's like, explained okay, in the has... first two minutes and then is totally irrelevant for the rest of the movie. It's like, yeah. who cares? Again, if they I had a good yeah, idea. As you I guess. know, I'm not a big fan of Matches of Inisherin, but that, that title joke in Matches of Inisherin, one of the best yes. moments of the year. <laughs> like, that's brilliant. Of like, right. the self awareness there is great. And again, Something in the Dirt, great title joke, apart from that film. They're like, when they talk about the titles of the film and why it's gone. Yeah. Oh, speaking of another film that explains its title. Okay. Oh, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> and there is a sequence in Bones and All um, where they talk about why it's called Bones and All. And actually, that's one of my issues with the film Bones and All, a film that I think is just not very good. Vaughn, Luca Guadagnino. Yes. Tell me about this fella. I've seen three of his movies, including Bones and All. I've seen five of his movies, yes, including Bones and All as well. Um, I like I like Luca Guadagnino. I've liked all of his films that I have seen, um, and I, we we kind of talked about I this put before him, before I we put started him the, recording. Put him on the boat. Put him on the trunk of Santa's boat. It's where he belongs. <laughs> um, we talked about this before we started recording. Of just like I, it, it's more 
for me and i enjoy his filmmaking and you just do not and i i, I, I just, appreciate I, that like you understand the the sort of what's what can maybe be found there but yeah i just i like i like his films i um i like so i've seen i am love a bigger splash call me by your name and suspiria and i like all of them quite a lot yeah so i've seen call me by your name bones and all suspiria i think call me by your name is his best film but i don't like it very much like i don't dislike it at all i just don't like it very much i think it's okay it's, it's totally fine it's good um but all of his films are overlong, um, are overly affected, and just engage in facades and surfaces in a way that I don't find interesting. And this makes me sound wanky as hell, but they're just bougie as shit, and I just don't care. <laughs> like all of them are just these lavish, like yeah, pointlessnesses. I, mean, I I don't even necessarily disagree with anything you are saying. I think it kind of loops back to our conversation on the previous show about Banshees of Inisherin and like the the construction of it. Like his films are certainly yeah. very constructed, and if you're not buying into that, then I then I totally get just not being into it. And I I honestly, even though I do like a lot of his movies, I will not disagree. They are all very long, and it's not always like totally necessary. But mm. but I like him. I like him as a filmmaker quite a lot. It, it all works for me. He makes pretty films. They're, 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 they are they are pretty in a way that I that I can recognize as pretty, but don't find pretty. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. that's well composed. That is aesthetic, but what does it mean? I don't know. I'm I'm that person that's always just like, it can't just be beautiful for me. It has like it's uh, you know take take that John Keats. Truth is beauty. Beauty is truth. I say nay. Um, on that thing being like, what is the beauty doing here? What are you doing? It yeah, for? and that's fair. And I find it to be kind of like worthless here. Bones and All is really interesting. Um, I really was really interested with this film, and I'm really glad I watched it. Um, so the briefing, what is Bones and All, Born? Ooh, okay. Um, so Bones and All is basically it's great um, title. What? Great title. Uh, yeah, it's a great title. Um, yeah, so Bones and All is basically um, part of the, I would say there's a, 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 I think this marks part of a resurgence or a surge maybe um, in sort of the cannibal genre. It's kind um, of like a trouble every day like, you know, this new genre is a trouble <laughs> every day like. So everyone's making their own trouble every day nowadays. <laughs> um, but it's like a, it's like a road movie, cannibal movie crossover. Um, our protagonist um is abandoned by her father when she turns 18 and she has to sort of find her way in the world finds and kind of ends up finding sort of um that there are she is not alone in the world of these these cannibals um comes across another one and then it is kind of their their adventure and journeys kind of trying to find their place in the world which i like quite a lot i like the the concept of it works very well for me yeah um no, I don't <laughs> concept at all. Um, it's really annoying to me. So uh, let's let's take the the titular scene, um, which I think is probably one of the best scenes of the film, um, because by titular I, I, scene you mean the end or? No, I mean the scene they talk about the concept of bones and all. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the bone, the bones and all scene. Gotcha. Um, I think why I don't like this movie is because I like this movie. That's uh, let me explain that because I, I, I there are bits in this film. I'm like, that's really good. So why is the rest of this crap? I'm like, why why do you keep doing this when you show me you can be really, really good? The underpinning cannibal film here is awesome. I love the society they've made. I love the affectations they've made. I will say that, because someone talked about how they don't like his movies that much on a Discord I was on, I presume it's the Letterbox main one, because it's like this like obsession with like colour palettes and like etc, etc, aesthetics. And they're like, is this the same? And I'm like, it looks like it's not, 
but it is because this looks like the dirty grungy version this is not this is not call me your name this is not like like beautiful sheen surfaces and just like nostalgic warmth but this film uses dirt and grime in the same way that film uses kind of like classical flourishes like this is okay. curated like that piece of dirt is in that place this is dirt and grime as a painting as a still image this is not grime and muck and danger this is i've placed that yeah there no for that's that, true for that, for, for that reason um so but this world of cannibals that just have to eat for the sake of eating that have this kind of like desire is really thematically potent yeah um but it's stretched out across a different film and the the mark rylance character is awesome interesting really really awesome <laughs> I, um, I found don't him a, like that character at all <laughs> I found him a bit much at the beginning, but when he comes back around, like, he is so overtly threatening. He is so genuinely terrifying. I'm like, why isn't this film this? this that was like, these, because the rest of them, I felt nothing at all. I was, like, so gladly okay. numbed by it because it was trying to be romantic and emotional. Like, this is just so cliched and trite, I don't care. But I feel a genuine sense of threat when that guy's on screen. It is, but the Bones and All sequence, they pull up in this kind of, like, field, these two that run away together, and these others arrive and there's this thing of being like are they here to hurt us or are they here to right. talk to us and I don't want to talk to them and they start talking together and there's this really well evoked unease of we're all getting on at the moment but I don't want to get on with yeah. them but I know that we must get along for a bit and I want to leave here um, and the revelation of the scene is the this moment the bones and all moment of being like have you ever eaten someone bones and all and like that idea of like that's the moment of no return and it's all done and the film claims to be about that, but it's never that to me. This film is always a step back from really committing to anything, really being shocking and transgressive. And when it goes to the final scene, which is like this big gross-out gore thing, it then ends in a stupid... Like, I laughed in the cinema. I was trying not to laugh, because I don't want to be rude around me. But like, so comic, like, oh, eat me. I want you to eat me as I'm like, this film is <laughs> stupid. Like, it's, it's like, oh my God. Like, there's actually some, some real stakes in it. Like, oh... I want to be eaten by you because I love it. It's, I mean, it is. This one is Twilight. This one is just Twilight. Um, but I prefer Twilight. Is the thing. Um, I can't. I can't get on board with that. It is. It is just. It is. It is just Twilight. It is this love story of we found each other and we're so different and we have a secret. You and I. And our secret's going to unite us. And I want to give everything to you. It's. It's. It's the same thing. It's blah blah. It's not a new plot, but it's so ethicless and boring. Um, I mean, they do this all like, like bones and all. I feel like Sorry, I'm still spending the scene. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're fine. We'll get back to it. Um, I, I mean, I think there's something partially there. Like, I like the way that it feels so intentionally set up at the beginning where it starts out. And, like, honestly, when the film first started, when I was in the theater watching it, like, I thought I had somehow ended up watching the wrong movie because it starts, like, this very cliche like high school drama thing and i feel oh, it like it starts very... that way it continues that way for two hours <laughs> i just don't agree um, but i mean like the idea that like <laughs> what is it not that <laughs> i mean i mean just the like because it obviously it leaves that space immediately but like i like that idea of like it's starting out in that environment and then it very quickly like taking that turn when they when she has to like eat that person's finger oh god and then, in, like, in the most like oh i'm a little bite of your finger oh no it's a bit <laughs> it's a bit dangerous this movie it's a little bit this movie is for people and this may be you out there i've said this to Vaughn. if you really really like the cook the thief um his wife and her lover you'll like this movie i don't really like that film very much okay. 
I'm doing my best. It's, it's like, very effective. Like, oh, it's a little bit, a little bit deceptive, a little bit dangerous. Have you seen our slightly transgressive <laughs> movie? <laughs> we really shoved it to this time. Haven't we? There's a little bit of cannibalism in this one as well. We've really gone a bit far this time. We've pushed polite society a step too far. <laughs> well, oh, for God's sake, piss off. Stephen really does not like this movie. But no, like, like I. I mean, I no, get what you're I saying. your <laughs> finger a little bit. Look at my slightly chewed finger. Remember that scene from Raw that, like, goes for it and, like, is nasty. It's like, oh, look at my slightly no, curatedly, right. artistically chewed finger. <laughs> you're right that it never quite goes as far as it should. Bones like, and I all. Totally... Doesn't go bones and all. Yeah. Like, I mean, if we, are, if we do compare it to something which is very similar, which would be, like, Raw, like, Raw mm. does go very far down that and um is very successful in that like this can't quite take that step and i I totally think that's that's absolutely fair um i mean like in the interest of i guess what this podcast is it's too busy twirling its mustache and putting its monocle back in and being like "Mm, cannibalism like its mustache um to just constantly talk about other movies and well to to connect it to this one like it's like in everything everywhere all at once there's like there's there's a branching path of this movie where you get to that scene that you're talking about where it's those that that firelight conversation and i think it's great it's like you either have the movie that is in the alternate reality that steven wants to be in where they end up just kind of tumbling into that the mm. the sort of underground society of the eaters, which I and I'm not saying so I don't cool. want to see that movie. It's so I could see that movie, and instead it branches off into this. The this, film that you've seen romance. before is boring, and that's fair. I just like <laughs> I like it um, because I think I I am. Oh, let's listen I enjoy to some, his... some music from the eighties <laughs> together. Here's some songs that people know. Oh, let's play this as we drive along. Oh, I thought there's a stretch relationship with my sister, but we love each other. I call her an idiot. Bones oh, and all enjoyers. Steven's making gonna, fun of I'm you, gonna, but I'm on your I'm side. Gonna ta- I'm going to talk to you about this Kiss album for a while. Have you heard of this Kiss album? In this one, they don't wear makeup. Here's a speech. It's like American Psycho, but like there's no joke. It's just like... <laughs> just like that. Um... <sighs> but that I... one bit in that scene, in that great scene, where they reveal that guy is not an eater, that guy just ate someone because he wanted to i do like that yeah brilliantly sinister thing i'm like oh hot damn that's cool and then like and then we left i mean i do i do like the idea that like and and this does persist of like the idea that even there's always like this unspoken sense of danger because of who these (laughs) people are because they forget because they forget to evoke it (laughs) the two was like 80s hits and driving along being like but that's a burger from a place but that's the same thing as like the mark rylance character that you're talking about of like this you never quite know if there's actual truth to it of like his whole thing is like never eaten eater but he is actually despite saying that he actually is um extremely dangerous it's just like and i I like the idea of that character a lot i don't have a problem with like his arc i just hate that performance i don't like whatever mark rylance is doing with that character it's so Um, weird it's 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 too weird for me (laughs) i I think it goes over the top i i agreed until that last scene where it's so legitimately threatening yeah of like because I was like, I don't know if what you're doing here really pays off, Mark Rollins, but you're committed to it. And then I was like, oh no, this 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 is this is built to somewhere that's actually a, he, like he has built out a character and he has built out performance because that's what he does. Like he is yeah. is root theatrical trained. He has made something. The problem is no one else has. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I think that's that's. I feel like I've talked about this several times in, in recent movies that have come out, but like he is just in a different movie, which yeah is fine like and maybe that other movie is is more interesting than this one but it still is is it just the the fact that it doesn't match to me throws me off a lot 
Um, but Vaughn, what are the people that you killed? Had families. <laughs> Nobody can see oh, Stephen fake so, twirling his mustache. It's so dangerous and disturbing. <laughs> oh, do you ever go bones and all while eating your beefsteak? <laughs> beefsteak. Oh. I know you're supposed to use a vicious soir's fork when eating this, but I actually used a normal fork. I'm Luca Gordinia. Ugh. God. Well, I like it. You're supposed to use your cutlery from the outside in, but what if we do it from the inside out this time? I think the difference is like. I, I see it as more of like. It is the idea of like the sort of the the aimless American road movie kind of thing, but it is interspersed. It is <laughs> to me in an effective way, um, <laughs> but it is interspersed with violence. Versus, I think you are like wanting it to be the violent movie that is on the road, and it's like it's not mm. that. Um, which I totally get. What, like, I, I, I can. What if it I was cannibalism totally on the road? What if it was Jack Kerouac's cannibalism on the road? That sounds dope and is really interesting. <laughs> it's just, I just stop messing around with horror, Gordonino. You, I just don't. You don't seem to be interested in it. You seem to like it as as juxtaposition, and it clearly only exists juxtaposition. And what it's juxtaposing is just so dull. I'm like, this doesn't even need juxtaposing. This would actually, maybe for me, if it committed to being about a relationship between two outsiders, it would work more. But because it needs to cut to mm, bones and all every now and then, we're being a bit dangerous. <laughs> it's just like, well, that's now just quite empty. And that's quite empty as well. Yeah, I, I, I do. I totally get it because, I mean, the idea of like actually committing to the the sort of construction of horror and like it actually being gritty and in that world it's like i totally get that and honestly like i'm not even saying that i wouldn't want it to be that i would you want be, it darker i would be totally happy if it was <laughs> that's why they didn't yes, use that film exactly. in, 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 that's why they didn't use that song in the film as the trailer because i was there being like you know what i do want this darker <laughs> I, please um, I would totally, I, I would have no problem with that movie. I'm sure I would also love that movie. But, like, I also like what this is. I also, I have no real qualms with, like, the way that he uses the language of horror in the movies that he's making. Yeah. Um, but, I, 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 yeah, I do I do understand. You, you, you just like his mustache and the way that he twirls it. And you yes, just like, exactly. You just... I'm a big fan of that twirly mustache. Yeah. It's massive. <laughs> it's massive for the mustache. <laughs> um. Do you have anything else to say for now? Um, about what about yeah? I mean, I've, I mean, I can, I can, I can riff on Guadagnino for a long time. You know, really, really, <laughs> really annoy every listener. Um, but yeah, like this, 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 this. I mean, did you ever feel like a sense of like hunger for each other? Because it, it, it's his metaphor, right? Of like the hunger for flesh is also like their obsessing hunger of love, which I think Trouble Every Day does really, really well. Did you get yes. that? That there was a sense of like passion and hunger. Um, I. No, but I don't think that it's necessarily a miss. Like, I, I get the sense that, like, it's not necessarily... Like, I think that they they are in the same boat of, like, they want that, but it's not necessarily there. I think mm. there's a sort of intent okay. to... They, have, they, they kind of end up together, and I think that they want to be that, like, because I think part of, the, part of the film is, like, searching for normality and trying to find their... Trying to be normal, even though mm. they cannot really be... Um, and I think that part of that is like they found each other and there's this idea that like we are in a similar circumstance and we are at similar, you know, time period in our lives. And so we have to be together. And I think that they both want to want to be with yeah. each other. But I think that that's that really that interesting. I didn't connection is that intentionally that's cool. not there. Yeah. 
Um, um, and then occasionally there's some that's like gnawed their own arms off, and I'm like, that's hardcore. Love that. And then I believe that as well. Um, and it, uh, bits that are objectionable to me because i like to have objection okay. bits you know me i like to object um when the inciting incident of this relationship is when she says that she's 18 and he's just like i'd have pegged you as younger and then pursues her romantically for the rest of the film that's a fun one isn't it that's yeah. a fun one no I, um, I i agree i was questioning that but i think that might also be i mean not necessarily to like just pin meaning on it nor like defend the film if it has just completely failed at that but like you could i think there's 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 room to read that as like sort of the intent as well of like yeah but if, if it was actually transgressive and felt a little bit daring and dangerous i'd be like yeah this actually like if it if it wasn't so obsessed with chalamet as clothes model and hair model which this film is obsessed with like let's just show some lots of timothy chalamet looking just like <laughs> chalamet look at look at how how smudged up he is it's a bit dangerous <laughs> which is it's like which a, is it's, fair yeah. it's a perfume advert it's a perfume advert basically if it actually was actually this guy's a little bit sinister and is fronting as nice, but is an, is is an emptiness and is is vacuous. Then it's like, no, he has a tragic backstory. But I mean, if is that not like also the the wider idea of the film? It's like if that also ties into like there not actually being a connection between them. Like, and if you look mm-hmm. at Rylance's character as like this, you never really know the intent, and there's like a sinisterness behind yeah. all of it. Like is the same thing basically happening with Chalamet's character, but she yeah. wants to buy into it more because he is, you know, young and attractive versus Rylance being old and creepy. Like I've been, I've, that's a really good point. And I feel if the film didn't have so much pointless space in it, I would connect things more, but I, I feel just yeah, like, and that's fair. There are, there are lots of thematically resonant things that I, and I've read good reviews of it. There's, um, I think Thomas, who, are, who is a great writer and I like a lot, wrote a really powerful read of this about like how he saw his own, like, relationship with his like sexuality fronted in that film of like that idea of being like of like a, a queer reading of the film basically of it's 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 about the, the being the outside and what that means and then finding your own people in the world and that's really compelling like and that is certainly in the film and i um, yeah I but there's I, so much space in the film that's so dull that just doesn't connect its ideas and and not necessarily as like me saying like there's there's personal experience here but like i did see some of those ideas of like the sexuality stuff as well because mm. like and again, going back to like if they're searching for normality and their idea of normality is like sort of the nuclear family kind of thing. And like so they're like, we have to be together because we are this way. But I think there are hints throughout to both of them not necessarily being interested in that yeah. idea. Like there is that whole scene of um, of, of Chalamet and there is like a, I think... Um, an implication towards his sexuality and also i think the beginning of the film where she ends up biting that girl's finger off is also kind of an implication that that neither of them are necessarily um strictly straight which i think can can certainly feed into that idea which i think is is certainly a fair reading of the film totally it could be very interesting there i just think the execution of the film as a whole is just really sloppy i think it's just i think all that stuff is really fascinating and it's just like thrown up into a screen that doesn't connect things just just interestingly or elegantly which is a shame because again i don't like it because it's good there are bits of this film i'm like that's really good that's really interesting that's really threatening that's really powerful um i mean the twangy guitar is quite nice but i'm also a bit bored of twangy guitar Um, (laughs) i love i love the score i think the score is fantastic but of course it's it's reznor and ross who i will just love anything from so it's i don't know it you go in thinking it's gonna be trouble every day or raw and in the end it's a little bit more like badlands actually um okay yeah but I can it's see that. not but it's not for me as good as any of those films and it only exists in comparisons i think and it's fine to review by comparison to me because it's it's just treading such trodden ground that i'm like eh. eh. yeah i mean if you want a similar film that steven and i both really like i can't 
can't not recommend Trouble Every Day, which is, is fantastic. It's great. Yeah. Absolutely great. So yeah, um, that was Bones and All, which, you know, well, I mean, we can get Luca Guadagnini on the, on the show anytime if you want. You can do an, an interview. <laughs> you so? Talk about my movie. Hello. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's him right now. Hello, Vaughn. Did you like my movie? <laughs> Did you enjoy like... <laughs> it? Did you think it was delectable? Did you think it was a little bit daring and dangerous? Well, thanks for coming on the show, Luca. <laughs> It's okay. I really appreciate yeah. your time. I have, have you seen the film Luca? <laughs> oh, the Pixar movie? Yes. What does that have to do I, with you? Uh, it's got my name in it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Stephen had a plan it, for this bit. <laughs> it also vaguely commits to a queer reading like my movie does. Okay, well, alright. I, mean, I was very influenced. <laughs> I don't know about that. Have you seen Something in the Dirt? It's very good. I like that our podcast is the first to assert that <laughs> that Luca was an inspiration for Bones and All. Both are okay and maybe bad. <laughs> I just, oh he's, just, he's just he's just left. All See right. you, well, he's, thanks, he's for, a nice thanks for coming he's, on the show, Luca. He's not a good filmmaker, but he's a nice enough guy. <laughs> One he's of us likes Suspiria a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit, you know he he makes a very like fancy fancy cup of tea. It takes him hours, but like it's really nice at the end. Okay. He says it's a little bit naughty, though. He keeps saying it's very naughty, and I'm like, I like your universe of of con- connecting different filmmakers to like food. You've got mm. um, uh, Park Chan Wook making takeaway sushi, and you've got mm. Guadagnino making a fancy cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Something <laughs> is kind of guy that if you went over to his house and he'd be like, a cup of tea, he'd be like, would you want this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, or this one? And he goes, you know what? I'll make you something that'll surprise you. It's a little bit <laughs> dangerous. I feel like his whole accent just changed there in your... In your... <laughs> oh, you know, I mean, that, that that was me doing an impression earlier. That was actually Oh, him. okay. <laughs> gotcha. Sorry, I mean, no, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do his voice. That oh, would be inappropriate. No, that makes, that makes total sense. I mean, that would, be, that would be appropriative of me and I would not do that. Of course you wouldn't. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> Stephen, do you want to get into some emails? <laughs> yes, we got one here from Luca Guadagnino. <laughs> oh yeah, what and is it? The, says... so, so he came on the show and he also wrote in. That's really that's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, and and it says, um, "How do you make the perfect cup of tea?" And I and I know Guadagnino says, "Thank you for for the great show." Um, are you doing bones and all next time? I hope you really like it. It's a bit daring and dangerous and transgressive. Thank you, Luca. Thanks, I agree. Luca. He also says, "P.S. Have you seen the film Luca?" <laughs> uh, he, re- he really enjoyed. That's weird that, that he one. wrote that email and then also came on the show and said the exact same things. Well, because he knows we get so many emails, we can't read them all. Um, oh, okay. So he really, yeah. really wanted to get it out there. <laughs> Absolutely. He thought he'd make a bigger splash, but um, I guess he didn't. Um. <laughs> I need to. I'm trying to get away from this because it's too much. We're gonna get into some emails. <laughs> he also keeps shouting, "I am love." I don't know what that means. God damn it! Um, we we have an email here from our from friend of the show, Lorcan. Um, oh god. Okay, let's go. Let's go serious now. Sorry, Lorcan. Yeah. Sorry for the the unlistenable twenty minutes. <laughs> this is the. It's the only. It's the first email I have. I have to read it first. There's no good transition. I was trying to like get away from. If only Lucan. there was a. A famous film director who could transition again. It's as totally dissonant as a Luca Guadagnino movie. Stop! I, I didn't. I didn't mean it. No, I, I love you too. I'm cut, cut here. I'm rolling the music. This is the email music now.
Now there's a clean break, and now we can now we can talk about the emails. Stuff. I'm still recording, Lucas. Why is he still here? Is he, hanging, is he just in your living room now? <laughs> he just keeps offering me tea. God damn it! Um, I'm not gonna be able to get through this email. Email from Lorcan. Mm. Hi, Hi Lorcan. Hi, Stephen and Vaughn. I enjoyed your discussion of the Banshees of Inisherin, and I thought I would write in and share my own thoughts. I attached some photos taken by one of my parents this year, which very much evoke the feel of the film. I saw the film at the start of November and my parents shortly afterward, and we talked about it and about the place it's generally set at length. Two negatives about the film were both mentioned by Stephen. One is that yeah. the cinematography is ho-hum. The other is the True. overbearing writer-as-god feeling. Could Martin McDonough have written something involving these characters that doesn't initiate from such out-of-the-box setup? If not, doesn't that reveal some shallowness to what we're given in the film as it is? The setup opens it up for an exploration of a variety of themes, but you could argue it does so in a homework assignment kind of way. Yes. And who cares about these themes if they're being crowbarred in? Calvary Welcome. was also Hi, a movie <laughs> structured entirely by an outlandish ultimatum issued by one of the yeah. characters in the film's True. world to another. But Calvary was littered with references to theater and called attention to its own artifice frequently, so that it felt organic and that the whole dramatic setup, while ostensibly the decision of one of the characters, was really a vehicle for narrative imposed from the outside by the writer as God. There was also a more easy-to-grasp point to the film Calvary. It is an aggressive mm. indictment of Ireland, or of one town at least, like how High Noon is an indictment of the characteristics of American society. This was not without controversy in Ireland. Interesting. That's, that said... The Banshees of Inisherin is also in some ways an improvement over Calvary. Its look and camera work, <gasps> while I feel could still have been more impressive, are less rudimentary, and by having a smaller cast, it affords more time to develop the supporting characters and have the actors yeah. give more memorable performances, though some of the one-scene-and-done performances in Calvary are good too, particularly oh, Don yeah. Gleason. And Dylan Moran pissing on a rug. I, excellent. <laughs> um, I also saw John Michael McDonough's most recent film, The Forgiven, starring Ray Fiennes and Jessica Chastain in September. I was alone at the screening. I'm sure you'd hate its loving portrayal of Fiennes' character as the most <laughs> appalling upper-class British chauvinist, but he had left-wing politics in grammar school. <laughs> I think I recommended a book in my last two emails. Today, mm -hmm. I would say look into the recently Booker long-listed novel The Colony by Audrey McGee. It's about a linguist and a painter spending a summer on a remote Irish island and their relationship to its inhabitants cool. and how they are exploitative in one way or another. It's interesting that while the McDonough's do belong to this region of the west of Ireland, they are, at the end of the day, not actually Irishmen themselves. My mother mm. says it will hardly feel good for the men who live out there when they watch the Banshees of Inisherin. All the best, Lorcan. And I've seen the, uh, the, the the pictures attached. The pictures are utterly beautiful, I have to yeah. say. Um, more beautiful than the film. Um, yeah, it's a, a, a wonderfully written email that I think is a nice addendum to our conversation. Raised some excellent points, as always. Thank you so much for getting in contact. Yeah, I always really appreciate your emails, Lorcan. They're very... Oh, what's very that? Uh, Lucas says he also thought it was a, a beautifully written email. A beautifully written email. Thank you. He wants, to adapt, he wants to adapt it. He wants to adapt the email and do a feature film? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's going to use a bit of horror syntax to really, like, really hammer home some of the ideas about analysis of film. Well, I'm excited for Guanino's next yeah. four-hour film, Lorcan's Email. Yeah, it's um, going to be quite devilish, <laughs> quite, quite transgressive. <laughs> so thank you again uh, for It's going to be like, email. you know, like he's he just gave me a metaphor of like, in fact, you know what, look at me here. You, you, hello, Vaughn. Um, you know when you're, you're having a fish course, yes? Yeah. 
Uh-huh. And and you have the wine to go with the fish course. Right. Well, this this film's like, what if you were having red wine with the fish course? <laughs> it's just like that. It's perfect. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Lika. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, just well, just n- normal tea. Yeah, no, no sugar, thank you. Thanks for thanks for no, you no, normal your, tea. Just just can you lock just, the yeah. door to your office or no? Is that not an option? Yorkshire just... tea. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. There's some in the kitchen. Thank you. <laughs> He's gone. <now. laughs> okay. God damn it! That new film of his sounds devilish. I have to say. Um, <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys their red wine with fish tonight. <laughs> Boy, um, <laughs> I just. <laughs> this, is just, this is what an episode this is not what i expected from this we have a, we have another email from murph hey um, partake of the flesh spoilers it's murph haven't oh that sound that's he wrote that in the voice of luca Nino. that you can really imagine luca oh, okay, saying yeah, that uh-huh. haven't watched bones and all but it's the kind partake of, of the flesh like, boys that i'd like to read the synopsis of so i have Seems like there's an allegory at work here that I'm going to guess is a bit confused given the few reviews yes. I've read. With that in mind, what's your favorite fictional movie, race, slash mutation, slash faction that is a clear allegory for a real world minority to get extra oh, spicy? <laughs> Which film has the clumsiest allegory for a real world minority? Well, I've Remember not seen the film Bright. Close and but... your emergency food supplies closer, Murph. Um... Again, I've not seen the film Bright, but I'm going to say that is one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I also haven't seen it, and I'm also going to agree with you. <laughs> and then I'm going to say also Zootopia. That's as one of the worst. As one of the worst, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that is very clumsy. Um, mm. it's, it's very on the nose and also doesn't do it very well. Um, mm. I think I maybe like that movie. It's been a few years since I've seen yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. That movie's fine. It's quite... It's quite yeah quite charming funny but then it's, it's it's central metaphor if you think about it which doesn't want you to you're like wait a right. minute no um zootopia hmm. is just like triangle of sadness it has a lot of ideas but it doesn't quite know uh, what it's doing with them <laughs> yes a lot of people said that <laughs> but, but this is just like zootopia just, <laughs> like, oh my god it's like zootopia again uh, you know for kids um that's a joke from matt there you go um Watch the, like, like, Pro- watch, watch the Hudsucker Proxy. It's a great movie. Oh, okay. There you um, go. Um, I guess it, I guess his his question was specifically um, favorite movie factions and stuff, and not specifically necessarily a specific movie. But um, I don't know. I think probably most frequently you've got um, vampires used as allegories in that yeah. way. Um, I think movies that can translate that well um, are often. I think my boy Abel Ferrara does a good job of using vampirism to be about academia in the addiction. Yes. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great that's one. A, that's um, a really cool way of doing that. Probably the best example to me would be Ganja and Hess. Um, oh, yeah. Using, using vampirism the best in, that, example. in that way, which is just, yeah, I love that movie. Um, got anything else for this? I mean... Uh, off, 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 off the dome, no, not really. I'm sure that there's loads of things that I, I should think of where, like, things that I... I think the thing is, when it's done well, it's kind of seamless and it doesn't feel yeah. crowbarred in, and you only really notice the thing of being like, "Look, this is right." Like you're not bad. thinking you're about like, it, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but there are lots of films you're like, "Oh, this could be read as something," as opposed to that is directly yeah. that. So I think it's it's when the film is like, "Oh, you you could read it as that," and it works very very nicely. 
Um, but yeah, um, an interesting point. I mean, I would say, Muff, and it's very, very true, and I can say this because Luke is downstairs now and he can't hear me, that yes, that is a clear central metaphor and it's very, very muddled. Um, well, there you go. Thank you, um, Lorcan and Murph, for emailing in. Um, and as Luca. always, and, and Luca, yeah, really appreciate you sending in that email. Um, <laughs> as always, if you have a response to anything we have discussed or just want to say hello or want to ask I us can a probably question, get Luca back on the podcast again, so if you want to, if you want to um, ask Luca Bonino any questions. Sure. Um, I would I would love it if you didn't ask Luca any questions. I would, though he, though I would, he's, he, he asks me to call him Stephen. You, okay. <laughs> God, this, this, this oh, is going to be was, a nightmare was, until was, was Stephen that, was, forgets this joke. Was that you just going to inject that? That was, that was a thinker, wasn't it? That was a thinker. God. Um, uh, our email is thinking of spoiling at gmail.com if you want to write in. Um, please don't address Stephen or Lisa. just talk to me and I'll respond to your emails. I guess this is what I'm left with. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Stephen, what do you have to recommend this week? Ooh, great question. Um, hmm. You even introduced I... this segment at the beginning and didn't have anything ready? Yeah, I wasn't sure. Sh- uh, yeah, because I've got some choices here and I'm not sure. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. I mean, I've seen some some recent stuff that we've not mentioned. Um, well, actually, I, just, I went over Fire of Love, so I got that. Um, the Wonder is worth watching. Um, I'll say The Wonder is okay. worth watching. So it, it is, it, I don't think it's great, it's worth watching. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is as crap as you think it's going to be, so don't watch that. Um, I'm Great torn between mention. recommending Ashes Purest White, mm. Great movie. or News from Home, or Daughters of the Dust. Um, um, I vote gonna... I vote Ashes Purest White since it's not on Sight and Sound, so people aren't uh, looking at yeah. looking at it anyway. Um, Jajanka, um, which is probably not how his name is pronounced, but I've tried to learn how to say it properly um is just such an utterly fabulous filmmaker um i just utterly adore his movies they are he he makes a kind of film but it's very versatile kind of film and if you are not really aligned with what he's doing you're not gonna like it at all i don't sound like we don't like his films of uh, they are very uh, the, they are mood pieces but the mood is like the changing like time of a nation like it's all yeah. about how like time affects a place and that being reflected through characters he uses popular music really really interestingly he uses geographical shots really really interestingly all of his films have this kind of like collage kind of like scrapbook mentality of like flicking through something and they just they're just they are like nothing else and then occasionally I don't know. It reminds me. Ashes Pierce White is a film that reminds me of Redbeard, my favorite Kurosawa movie, where Redbeard okay. is this really interesting and contemplative character study, uh, which this gets towards. And there is one scene in the middle of Redbeard where Toshiro Mifune does his Toshiro Mifune thing and just absolutely kicks ass. And you're like, oh god, Kurosawa is a great action director. There is a scene about 45 minutes to Ashes Pierce White where the premise happens <laughs> 45 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. And it's brutal and nasty and it's that great reminder of he could make a conventional very tense right. very kind of like straightforwardly compelling film and it'd be wonderful and he's just not interested in doing that yeah and it just shows you this like really tense brilliant scene that's like one of the most like shocking pieces of violence i mean a touch of sin which i know, don't know if you've seen or not that's that one's more widely seen i haven't um, that's um oh who's that director um 
it's the John Carrier. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking it was someone else. Um, no, this is I, I've I've only seen Ash's Purest White of of his. Yeah, so at the touch of sin also has some like action kind of like violent stuff in it like ooh and he can do that um but he's primarily not really interested in that and yeah it's just these these associative beautiful films that just like glide along and they yeah. reward you being really attentive but they don't really care if you're not being that attentive because it's not yeah. about narrative it is about the mood or something and is it too long probably do i care at all no not really and i say that the Luca, he's downstairs, it's fine. Like, his films are, like, are like too long and, like, boring. And, like, this film is arguably those things. But because it is this committed, ethereal piece, it just all works for me. Because it does feel unified about this, like, unique kind of filmmaking. Um, I just love his film so much. Really yeah, I... recommend, really recommend Platform. And um, Still Life is my favourite films. One of my, one of my okay. favourite films in general. I think it's just utterly astonishing. Yeah, I, I really need to watch more of his films. Yeah, I've, I think you'd, love, I think seen, you'd absolutely I've love only it. seen Ash's Purest White. It was recommended to me in a film raffle a while ago. But yeah, it's, it's really fantastic. Just like really cool and evocative um, and interesting kind of portrait of, of these people in China. If you like Joe's movies, Apichatpong Rinsukal's films, I think there is a lot that you'll find similarly. Okay. Um, in fear of a lot of Judge Anchor stuff. Um, I think Still Life has some interesting parallels to Memoria, and I okay. think Still Life is is a better film. I think both are, are, are really, really okay. good. Um, both use a motif quite similarly. Um, it, yeah, watch. I just watch Still Life. It's so good. All right, I, I recommend, yeah, I, I recommend I, Still I need Life. To okay. get on that, I'm looking forward to probably catching up on on a lot of my sort of back catalog once i'm a bit uh outside of the award season madness here mm. i'm trying to catch up so that is mostly what i have been watching is is catching up on films from this year and all of the things that are coming out in this these last like couple disenchanted of did you watch disenchanted? Uh, I watched disenchanted no not like disenchanted oh it's not very good don't watch it <laughs> yeah I, I haven't seen the first one either so i'm it's just oh it's not, fine it's quite good not something i'm interested I, I know people do like um that first movie but um, so tell me about yeah. the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, the film you're about to. Um, yes, that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to recommend. <laughs> is, what, is it the latest MCU project that everyone's already watching anyway? Right. Um, I, I was just, thought you wanted to watch the film that you liked. Sorry, I do like it. It's not bad. I think yeah. it's quite fun. Um, well, but I'm not going to recommend it. <laughs> well, it seems like you just did. But okay. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> what so I you don't am, recommend it. What I am going to recommend is takeout um so this film recently entered the criterion collection um it oh, is I've seen this co- directed by sean baker and xi ching tzu um so one of sean baker's i think this might be um his first film um a director i really like and i've been wanting to go back and watch his earlier films because i really love um the florida project and red rocket are both just phenomenal mm. um yeah great this this is such an interesting movie and it has a lot of the same ideas and it's shot in the same i think it might be the same um cinematographer as maybe his oh sean baker shot himself perfect um yeah so that's what it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah so it's like got the same look and feel and a lot of the same ideas of like these sort of um the sort of marginalized people and like these these certain areas in in america and so this movie centers on um, a Chinese immigrant um, who has come to the country illegally. So he's like an undocumented immigrant and he was smuggled into America and had to pay the smugglers. And so he now 
he took out a loan in America to pay back the smugglers. And so now he is in debt. The loan sharks that he got the money from are now wanting him to pay his debt back. And so basically the film is a portrait of one day where he needs to try and get as much money as he can to be able to pay these people back. Um, So he tries to borrow money from people he knows. um, And then he needs, by the end of that, he needs like $800 um, to be able to pay them back in full. And so the film is basically him working his delivery driver job at a Chinese restaurant. And basically he is trying to earn as many tips as possible um, throughout the day to be able to pay this debt back. Um, It's just so well done. It's like such a fascinating portrait of like this struggle um, that he is going through and just trying to survive and having to rely on like the goodwill of these other people and it does such an interesting thing where it's like kind of going through um, New York City and like you get such an interesting portrait of all of the people that he is interacting with like delivering these these orders um, and it's just like it gets so much out of so little like it's such a simple concept that's really cool there's there's not like a whole because it really is just like him delivering things and like things kind of happening in that journey but like yeah, it just gets so much out of it. It's such a fascinating movie. Um, really, really liked it. It sounds like in that trend of this kind of like modern neorealist films. I was listening to a review yeah. of that new of that new Dodd M Brothers film. That sounds quite similar to like some of their stuff of like taking taking things like Umberto D um, and other films like that Italian neorealist tradition, which are so good at presenting like just getting by in like community structures that cling around that. Yeah, like bicycle um, leaves kind of thing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that sounds really, really cool. That's yeah, really, no, really it's, cool. it's really fantastic, so highly recommend. Um, I think it's, yeah, it is on Criterion Channel. It is on Criterion Channel. It's part of the collection, so um, yeah, highly, highly recommend everyone yeah. check out Takeout. Um, Excellent. Think, and it's Take yeah. Space Out. Don't be confused by typing Take Out like I did. Take Space Out. Yes, <laughs> two words. Um, two words. All right, so that's our show for this week. Stephen, what do you have to plug? Um... So I'm doing it on stage with Luca Guadagnino. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> the one-man imagine. show of you and Luca Guadagnino. <laughs> Why'd it be a one-man show, Von? There's two of us. Um, <laughs> you look foolish now. Um, what have to plug? Um, we just wrapped up over the stacks our um, Arnie month. Yes. Um, so we went for a whole bunch of this stuff. We've got an Arnie wrap-up podcast going for our talking about a bunch of Arnie films, which is really interesting because I feel like I discovered some stuff. I feel like I learned a bunch about Arnie as a performer. Um and a whole bunch of interesting things going on there to link to that. Um, and this upcoming month on the stacks is Christmas month. Um, and we are, are we going to include an Arnie film? Yes. What Arnie Ooh. Christmas film do you think we're going to include? I think that you want me to say Jingle All the Way and you're going to say, oh, no, you're Vaughan, wrong. How <laughs> foolish. Please go to Arnold Schwarzenegger's letterbox page. Please. Okay. Please. I will, I will indulge and you. And tra- change the category from actor to director. Oh, okay. I am excited. All right. So what do we have here? Um, directed one movie, Christmas he, in Connecticut. A remake of a 40s oh. film? Yes, he did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, this is amazing. I'm just learning about this now. Oh, this poster mm. is phenomenal. Chris yeah, Christopherson. So, <laughs> yeah, so need to know about that. Need oh, to. Man. This was brought into my life by Matt. Was like Matt was just like, so you're going to cover that film he directed? I'm like, Matt, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, oh this is... yes, certainly. So yeah, Christmas Christmas month is happening. It's Christmas time again. Um, 
And the silent film um, podcast continues. It's been really, really rewarding. Um, so episodes on Within Our Gates and a kind of like overview of myself and um, friend of the show and previous um, co-guest, guest, guest, co-star person, um, Dan Punch. <laughs> um, remember he watched Matches with the Sheriff? Yes, um, absolutely he did. So yeah, the, the, the premise being uh, we are returning to films that have been lost the silent era and have since been found and restored in various ways so within our gates which is one of the most important films of all time um watch that film let's just talk about it i think it's a really good conversation um and we just recorded and it'll be up by the time this is up um an episode about richard the third which is a shakespeare play um and this is the earliest surviving and fought to be the first american feature film oh wow um, and interestingly, like Richard III himself, whose remains were lost and then found in a car park, this film was lost and then... F- yeah, yeah, Richard III's <laughs> remains was, was found in a random public car park. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, there's a movie about it that just came out and archaeology Twitter was mad about it. Um, that's a story for another time. There's a lot um, going on here. Yeah, a lot going on here. But yeah, someone... It turns out someone just had this film in the private collection and they donate their collection. People are like, do you know that we didn't know there were extant <laughs> copies of this film and he's oh, like that's nope. fascinating wow. <laughs> just presumed that a shakespeare film so yeah it's really cool it's an hour-long adaptation of shakespeare the third and there's a lot to say about it um, okay it's a really interesting discussion and a good episode i think um and we're going to talk about the first technicolor film i think next time um, the toll of the sea um which david just saw at a silent film festival so he just saw it projected with with orchestra oh, and i'm awesome. gonna watch it yeah. on youtube <laughs> goes back to our conversation about seeing things in different formats yeah yeah um, yeah i mean i would at that point i'd prefer to be at the festival in oh well in, yeah <laughs> i think san francisco but no yeah i'm watching it on youtube um plug any, anything else you got coming up i mean probably but i don't want to plug it <laughs> all right oh um, wait no yeah no crap no um actually there is um make sure please to vote in tg10 um the twin geeks top 10 poll um go to the website and find it there you can submit your own sight and sound star ballot and our wider community i will collate the results there are rules of how to type out your things to make it easy for me if you don't follow the rules i just won't count your vote because i'm making the computer count the votes for me so yeah. if you don't follow the rules you won't get picked up by my rogue control effing if you don't get found by control F, if you realize that some of the rules are technically pointless yes they are um and which one you can get away if that's fine but just remember i'll be control effing the results yeah, so you stated the vote, rules vote, vote. very clearly so please if you do fill out the poll follow them as closely as you possibly can just and makes it easy your votes will be counted yes it is it is quite simple uh your votes will be counted and then we will post the the i don't know what it's gonna uh, be a top audience result because yeah it just depends how many overlaps there are um it will be a the most significant number that has clear overlaps because if it's just like a hundred films where only, most of them only have like two votes each that's not very interesting yeah. but if it's like a, a top 20 where some of them have like 30 some votes here and i'm not going to say how many votes each of them got because that's you know a peek behind the curve minute reveal because we will always pretend that thousands of people voted <laughs> to let you know that the number one vote actually what do you mean like pretend we already have had thousands exactly. and thousands of submissions exactly thousands of submissions so join let your voice be heard but i'll just say at the moment you could make a serious impact on this <laughs> yeah um please submit to that and then we will have our we'll post our audience results yes. and throughout the month um we might have our first one up by now i'm not exactly sure we haven't quite decided on the rollout yet but you can yeah. see the um all of our twin geek staff lists um everyone yes. will be posting their own personal um top 10 it's not quite the same 
Um, I think part of the project is people kind of explaining what their list is about. Yeah. So not quite the same as like necessarily a sight and sound top 10. Yeah, just, I um, know that yeah. Calvin's list on the website is different from the one that he submitted to the voting, for example. Might because well, he, yeah. He, he Yeah, he saw his list on the website as more of like a expressing about him as, as, a, as a writer and personality, which I think is, is much more interesting. I am consistent and more of the same, <laughs> both. All right. Well, yes. So, so, so please submit to that and then be on the lookout um, for all of those lists that will be posted. Um, mm-hmm. Calvin and I are continuing our podcast talking about award season movies, critical consideration. Go and check that out. Um, we'll be posting, continuing to post that every Monday until the end yeah. of the year. Um, so yeah, go and check that out. Talking about a lot of different movies there as I continue. We both continue to catch up on everything that we have missed and everything that is still coming out yeah. i still need to watch tar still need to watch tar that doesn't come out here until january so i guess i'll be fine watching tar in january but i really want to watch tar very, i'm saying that capitalized <laughs> um yeah and yeah there's some stuff coming out um, Lots of we'll stuff be back coming out, yeah. at some point um maybe other famous directors will swing by it's it's quite a star-studded affair here um <laughs> so until next time vaughn i'm thinking of ending this podcast fabulous 